Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The Arizona Diamondbacks won game one of the best of three series against the Milwaukee Brewers. They win six to three. Brandon fought bad. Two and two thirds of an inning, three earned runs, seven hits. The bullpen, well, other than Ryan Nelson, fantastic. Six and a third, no earned runs. Despite Ryan Nelson coming in and giving up three straight singles and loading the bases, the bullpen was lights out, Tori Lavello. Our bullpen was the reason why we won this game. And I wish we got more out of Brandon Fott. I just felt like once he got to a certain point, we had a gassed up bullpen, um, knowing that Zach is going tomorrow with Merrill on the backside of that, uh, that we, we, we could maneuver a little bit to keep this game close. Diamondbacks down three to nothing, top of the third inning. Perdomo, a one-out single. Corbin Carroll, the rookie, a two-run homer. He went two for three, two runs scored, and two walks. And then Cattell Marte, who only went one for five, had a solo shot going back-to-back with Carroll. Suddenly, it's 3-3. Add on a rookie, Gabby Moreno homer, the youngest catcher to homer in the postseason since... Uh, I don't want to remember Buster Posey's name because I can't say on the Giants, but since Buster Posey. And then you have Christian Walker with an extra clutch two-run base hit later on in the game, and Diamondbacks win 6-3. to three. Now you got to win one more game in Milwaukee out of the next two. Zach Gallen goes today. He's got a 17-9 record, a 1-12 whip. The same whip is for Freddie Peralta. He goes for the Brewers. However, Peralta, he's got a 12-10 record. First pitch, 4.07. Texas Twins Phillies won the other three wild card round games. Texas beat the Rays 4 to nothing. Lowest attended postseason game since the Black Sox lost game nine to the Reds. Oh my goodness. That was a 1919. You got Twins over Toronto 3 to 1. Royce Lewis with two dingers. And Nick Castellanos went two for four, two doubles in the Phillies 4 1 win over Miami. Day one of training camp. Frank Vogel's focus defense. Now obviously, it starts with, with transition defense and finishing possessions. You know, get your defense back and get it set. Um, you know, but also, you know, a really heavy emphasis on, on the boards. He actually stressed offensive boards as part of playing good defense to slow down the other team's transition break. Amazing. Suns have a game this weekend in Detroit. So Coach is running around like nut jobs at Arizona State. Kenny Dillingham, why were you guys running around almost as if you were the players? I've been doing a bad job setting a standard of what the effort looks like. So uh, the, the guys and the team is going to meet the standard you set and set a higher standard today, and I think they rose to it. ASU taking on Colorado. Kickoff at 3.30. And final. Oh, my goodness. Maybe we should all move to New York, where Governor Kathy 
Hockle, I hopefully I said her name right, it sounds kind of weird to say Hockle, has decided to give an extra edict, a longer deadline, for bars and pubs on Sunday. Why? Because beer sales don't start until Sunday afternoon. But the Bills are playing in London, which means kickoff is at 9.30 Eastern. So she is extended until this Friday, a special permit, for bars to sell beer starting at 8 o'clock Sunday morning. (laughs) Just like I always said, Jesus went to a wedding and they ran out of alcohol, so he made more. Go Bills! Jackpot Unplugged Army, I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, general manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. the Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. So, let's give credit where credit is due. You know, if it's not for Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, Doug Brown's Unplugged is probably dead by now. And Sweet Lou sat right here and told you the Arizona Diamondbacks were going to get past the Brewers. And I, I, didn't, I didn't listen. I didn't listen. So hats off to you, Sweet Lou. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your television every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merc. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, Presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, home of Whirlwind Plus. How are you? Sorry, it's a two Mountain Dew day. Oh my gosh. Um, I, I I'm in a weird spot. Let's let's just face it. Prediction wise, I told you the Diamondbacks were going to win Game Two. Okay, I told you they were going to win Game Two. I also told you the Brewers were going to win the series. Now, how's that? How's that work? How am I going to balance those two things? Am I right or am I wrong if Zach Allen goes seven some odd shutout innings today and the Diamondbacks win? So let's go. 
you got to root for me to be half right, don't you? Uh, I thought I thought there's no way they're going to get to Corbin Burns and Brandon Fought would pitch well enough to win. Well, I only got that 50% right, but they got to Corbin Burns enough that it didn't matter that Brandon Fought pitched well enough to lose, and that was really about it. Now you've got Gal and Kelly, who have lost twice in a row, got the, been the losing pitcher back-to-back twice this year, once at the Dodgers and once at the Mets. So it's happened twice. So it has happened. And yes, we, they could get a no decision and the bullpen blows it. But oh my gosh, this bullpen has just been fantastic. So we've got a lot to talk about today. I'm jacked up to talk about a, uh, a lot of things. I had a great night, great day. I, I left work about noon yesterday and then uh, went straight home, uh, worked on a couple proposals to try to grow WTSMTV.com and Doug Franz Unplugged, and then sat there and uh, w- tried to watch game one of the playoffs. And I don't want to admit this because I want to be prideful of my work ethic. Totally fell asleep. <laughs> I don't know if you heard me say this in four-minute offense. Have you ever heard of the Black Sox? So the Black Sox scandal, 1919, the players of, of the White Sox are so sick of Charles Comiskey and they feel so totally underpaid that they throw the World Series. Now what's weird is they, not a lot of them got the money they were promised, so halfway through they started playing hard. And then gamblers threatened the family members of different players who were starting to play too hard to scare them to death into continue with the throwing of the World Series. Now the gamblers had already bet so much money on the White Sox. But because of coming after World War I, it was a best of nine series. So I can't remember whether it was Game 7 or Game 9. I'd have to cheat and look it up on how, how many games were actually played in the 1919 World Series. But in the last game at what's called Redlands Park at the time, That's the last time we ever had an attendance at a postseason game as bad as what the Tampa Bay Rays had. (laughs) The Rays had the second lowest postseason attendance on record. Oh, my gosh. I mean, in this modern era. Now, they're not counting 2020 because, of course, postseason of 2020, you, you, you know, I think some stadiums had... uh, friends and family and that was it remember they had the neutral site world series in texas because uh the in the state of texas people were allowed to come together because texas didn't believe that we were all going to die from covid so they said go ahead if you want to watch baseball watch baseball and use your individual freedom to determine what you thought was right so they had fans there but other parks didn't have anything so they're not even counting 2020 but other than that they have to go back to 1919 for an attendance as, as pathetic as the Rays. Well, it affected me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blame them for my lack of focus because I fell asleep. And then watched the other games and just couldn't believe what I was seeing with that Diamondbacks comeback and then this bullpen. Oh, my gosh. We've got, we've got a, a lot to talk about. But I want to read a very important email today. Very important email today. Usually this would be for Town Hall Tuesday. And I'm struggling with whether I should do this. And I think in honor of a listener, I should. Only only because of a listener. All right? Here's the email. Hooray, beer! Just saw that today was Canadian Beer Day. And I thought I'd let you know. 
just in case you need an excuse to have a beer on Beer Wednesday. Oh, and after the D-backs bullpen beat the Brewers last night in game one, I'm ready for a Tory press conference where he said he's proud of his team and he's proud of fought. Let's go for the sweep. Have a good one, Doug. General David. Well, General David, you put me into a quandary. Uh, I forget what it was. Maybe Friday? Maybe, yeah, I think it was Friday. Uh, I always go to Costco when I need gas, and then I swing in and I usually get beer. And they've got Oktoberfest from Sam Adams for like a buck oh three a bottle. Something ridiculous. So I, I pick up a thing of Oktoberfest. So I have about 20 Oktoberfests in my fridge. And then I seriously have another 20 or 40 just sitting in a game room. By the way, before I say game room and you go, wow, Doug, you've got a nice house. Actually, I know I've got a good wife who we turned the dining room into a game room. <laughs> like, why do I need a dining room? Why do I need to dine in a special room to dine? I, can, I, I eat in my chair upstairs watching games or I eat outside on the porch watching games. I don't need a dining room. So there's a dartboard and a game table in the dining room. It's kind of cool. You know, that you have a wife that lets you do that. Well, I have all that beer, and then in the fridge at home, I have a case of Kilt Lifter cans from Costco, because you can get that for like a buck away to beer or whatever it is. And I keep forgetting to bring it in. And I've always said, you know, I don't care. It's not Beer Friday. I'll, I'll make sure I bring it in by Friday. Well, now I go in the fridge for beer, for Canadian Beer Day. There's only one beer left. And I thought, well, what am I, what should I do for Jeff? Or should I sacrifice and give Jeff the beer? And then I thought that would be rude to General David. Because General David, you didn't email Jeff Weir Production, you emailed me. So, cheers Jeff Weir Production for my own single beer. Should have just finished it in one drink, that was really good. (laughs) I didn't realize how bad that was needed today. Oh, I, uh, I went to bed early last night, too. Diamondbacks ended. Phillies were basically over. And then I, I went to bed and said, you know, I, sometimes with my weird schedule, like I am Mr. Energy, and all of a sudden I just hit a wall. And I just realized, okay, it's over. Like, it's over. <laughs> Go to bed. So I went to bed as early as 1030, which is extremely early for me. And then I got up um, sometime around 1130, and thought, oh no, I did not listen to the Suns presser or the Kenny Dillingham presser. So that's t- terribly unprepared. So I decided, I know what I'll do. I'll get up early. Okay, great. I'll get up early. So then two o'clock hits. And my Uncle Dan, very religious man, sends a text at five in the morning every morning about Jesus. And normally, and God bless Jesus, of course, but normally, I have it set so I have one setting when Uncle Dan texts, there's no noise. That way, that way I don't wake up to Uncle Dan's text. Because he's texting me from 5 o'clock Eastern time, I get it at 2 in the morning. I don't want to text at 2 in the morning. Well, for some reason, I don't know what I've bumped, but I bumped a sound uh, effect to go off on my phone for an Uncle Dan text. So it's 2 in the morning, and then all of a sudden Jennifer starts bumping me. I think Jeff needs you. <laughs> I was like, What? How do you know that? I, I think I think Jeff texted you. Jeff, why? What's going on? She goes, I don't know. And so now I'm awake. I walk all and I keep my phone at the other end of the bedroom because I don't I want to make sure I get out of bed to turn it off. If I put my phone next to me, I'll probably just grab it, turn it off, fall back asleep. 
So I get up, I walk all the way over there, and it's Uncle Dan's text at 2 in the morning. So now I go back to bed thinking, I got an hour left of sleep before I have to get up at 3 because I wanted to come in a little early. So what do I do? Yeah, I I lay back down. I don't sleep at all until like 2.45. I fall back asleep. I'm asleep for 10 or 15 minutes, and then the alarm goes off. Ugh. So guess what I didn't do? I, I didn't get up early. I turned around, went back to bed. I did get into work at about 4.45, and lately, that's about 20 minutes earlier than I've been getting into work. But it was, uh, it was, I was just, just too happy, just too giddy yesterday, and then exhausted, and then giddy. Weird day. Weird day. So I, that's why I'm decked out today. I'm fired up. You know what a big Diamondbacks fan I am. So I'm, uh, I'm pretty happy to, uh, today. Okay, sound credits today. Uh, gosh, we've got a lot of stuff. I guess we should credit just Major League Baseball uh, public relations, I would think, because we're not really stealing this from MLB.tv. They're uh, recording it and sending us links. So we'll say um, we'll, we'll still give MLB.tv credit, but it's really um, MLB uh, front office. And then the Suns uh, sent us some stuff. So thanks to the Suns PR department. And uh, we stole a little bit of Kenny Dillingham from Sun Devil Source, and I'm hoping to get more from them. Uh, Jeff Weir Production has no idea about this, but I'm also hoping to get some DeAndre Ayton and some Anthony Davis. Good luck, Jeff Weir Production, since I didn't even tell you about that. Jeff, you seem very silent today. Are you... I'm just waiting on your cue. (laughs) (laughs) Because uh, you didn't mock me for not getting beer, and then you didn't mock me for finding out after you had to run around like nut job today for 30... Yeah, there you go. For me saying, hey, I need this, I need this, I need this. And Jeff Weir Production is on fire. Not only did he get me everything I asked for, but he never looked at me with that look that says, what the hell? I mean, could you not have done this last night? And I, I admit, no, I couldn't do it last night. Um, I think that's it. All right, let's roll. Doug's big one. Doug's big one this morning is just how fantastic the Arizona Diamondbacks played. You don't need a big opinion today. It's Diamondbacks, 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 Diamondbacks. I am so jacked up to spend a ton of time talking about the Arizona Diamondbacks and that win, what went right, and and so many things that could have gone wrong. And who do you want to highlight? Young Corbin Carroll? Yeah. Bullpen? Yeah. Uh, Tori Lovello's management of the bullpen? Yeah. Evan Longoria's defense? Yeah. Still Goriel throwing it to the wrong base, which still drives me nuts, okay? You don't get off scot-free. I, just because I'm happy with the win, I still see the screw-ups that, uh, that were there yesterday. Do you want to talk about the use of replay? How poor the, uh, the umpires were getting calls wrong, but how correct they were on replay? Uh, do you want to talk about the broadcasters? What? I don't know what it's like to do baseball on television. But what I don't understand is, do the broadcasters look at replays with a blindfold on? That's what I don't get. There was one play yesterday, Christian Yelich is on first base. He rounds second too far, so Evan Longoria possibly going to get hit with an air, bobbles the ball, Yelich wanders off second, boom. He, uh, as after he attacked a ground ball and then bobbled it, turned around and threw it to second, and Cattell Marte had the chance to tag Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich puts his right hand out to get back to the bag, stops his right hand, like just stops it cold, then does a swim move around the tag and gets his left hand onto second base. 
And Alan Porter, the second base umpire, says safe. And it looked like a good call to me on live action. Then when they show the replay, they show Cattell Marte with the swipe tag. And the swipe tag comes up, and it looks to hit the shoulder of Christian Yelich at about the same time or maybe a second after the left hand hits the base. Therefore, Christian Yelich is safe, and the call should be, um, should be confirmed. But when you watch it really slowly, Cattell Marte, as he's trying to swipe up and hit the shoulder, the very tip of his glove, remember how I said the right hand was stopped almost as bait? It barely tips the knuckle of the right hand. It actually touches Yelich's right hand before it hits his chest and shoulder. And none of the broadcasters talked about that. I just, if I can see it sitting on a porch couch, I don't understand, with, with a beer, I, I don't understand how in the world the broadcasters didn't see that. They never once mentioned that. And usually, if a broadcaster butchers it, usually at some point the director says in their ear, hey, check out the knuckle. Check out the right hand, right hand. Usually somebody in the truck sees it. Maybe I fast-forwarded through the review too much. Maybe you saw it live. I don't understand how they miss that. It's kind of like um, like Todd Blackledge is one of my favorite color analysts in college football. I think he's great. He butchered that Notre Dame game. Butchered it. That Notre Dame game against Ohio State when they went back-to-back plays with 10 men, and he didn't even realize it. And then he even said they only have two down linemen, and they ran where, the, where no off, uh, defensive lineman was. But he never did the math. Hey, there's 10 guys there. It's kind of like that. Hey, color analysts, what, what are you looking at? Know the rules. That was bad. Um, let's get to the game. And uh, Jeff Weir Production, did you uh, – I don't know if you did this already. Did you open up the new notes I sent you for today's show? I have not. Oh, do me a favor. Open up the new notes because I have a crazy um, sequence of D-backs uh, things to play. And I don't know how hard it is for you to uh, – to be able to organize all of that, and you know what? Let me let's let's do something weird. Sorry to direct the show on air. Let me hit a, a quick break, and then that way you've got a chance to organize it. If you're in the unplugged army, sorry for my jumping around. Today is today is so such a fun show, and yet the disorganization is all my fault because I went to bed early. <laughs> so blame, blame me. But I'm excited to, and jacked up to talk all Diamondbacks. So coming up in just a second, all Diamondbacks. Little bit of uh, Suns and a little bit of ASU today, but a ton of Diamondbacks coming up. And what we need to talk about: the bullpen, the destruction of Burns, Patch, uh, and Corbin Carroll doing the unthinkable. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. Cheers. Go D-backs. Am I all right on the camera, Jeff, by the way? Because I've been yep. moving around like crazy today. And uh, we got so much to do, but I'm just so excited to do it. And I, listen, full credit to – I'm pointing over here because if you didn't hear yesterday's show, sitting right beside me was Sweet Lou of World One Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. And even though he was admitting he was being total fan, he believed it too. I mean, just really thought – the Diamondbacks had one good game, one terrible game against Corbin Burns, 
and felt like they were going to have a good performance. And the reason why I didn't um, is because of I th- the way to beat Burns is not the way the Diamondbacks have been playing lately. The way you beat Burns is patience. He's a good pitcher. And you've got to have a great eye. You've got to make him work. And there are so many. I, th- I think out of everything in this game, I really think one of the most important aspects of the game was the umpiring. I totally believe that. I thought, uh, who was home plate umpire? I think Mark Rippinger? Yeah. Uh, I thought he had a good game, even though it was kind of controversial. So many players were upset about his ball strike calls, and yet almost all of them were right, at least by the, the box that's on television. Some people say that box can be a little off, but according to that box, incredibly close calls, he was mostly right. He butchered one on Perdomo, I remember. One, in, uh, one, uh, one was outside and he called it a strike. But for the most part, he called a good game. And the players disagreed a lot. Then you have so many overturned calls because of poor umpiring on the bases. And those calls always seem to go the Diamondbacks' way, but they were right in overturning them. So I think umpiring was a huge part of this game that's not going to be talked about a lot. If you didn't get to see the game yesterday because you were at work, Diamondbacks win 6-3, to three, down 3 to nothing. And then with one out in the third, Perdomo base hit, Corbin Carroll, Homer, Cattell, Marte, Homer, it's now 3-3. That was huge. Then, I, I think this is an important part, bottom of the third inning, you didn't get the shutdown inning that you want, okay? That's a negative. But you get uh, two base hits and a walk, and yet the bullpen comes in, bails out, Brandon Fott, who had a bad outing, and in being able to induce a ground out to, uh, to end the inning by Joe Mantiply, who pitched well, now you still steal the momentum back before they could get excited. Gabby Marino hits a solo homer to start the top of the fourth. You're up 4-3. This game was so strange because they zoomed out to a 4-3 game in three-plus innings. You say plus because that home run in the fourth happened before any outs. So they hadn't pitched really in, you know, in the uh, – got an out in the fourth. So you pitch three-plus innings. It's already 4-3. to three. You think it's going to be an incredibly high-scoring game. But both teams conspired to leave 18 men on base. So every inning was a high-leverage inning. The Phillies game against the Marlins, which started like an hour, hour and a half after the D-backs – that game was almost over when the Diamondbacks game finally ended. And what's interesting is with all the new changes in the pitch clock, if you watched the game or if you were listening to the game, did you ever feel like, man, this is a long game. I'm not into it. I, I never felt like that. It was about a four and 20 – you know what? Let me cheat and look up how long that game was. But it was about a four-hour and 20-minute game. And yet, I never felt like it. Now, hopefully I didn't just make that up when I said it was four hours and 20 minutes, but it felt like it. Um, and because of that, you never worried about the pacing, but it had a lot of pitching changes, but mostly it had a lot of long half innings in which production didn't actually uh, end up happening. So I'm cheating right now to look, and the game was three, <laughs> even close. three hours and 36 minutes. It's funny, though. I felt like afterwards that it must have been four hours or something because we're not used to three-and-a-half-hour games anymore, and that's how long it was. So then the Diamondbacks' bullpen 
goes lights out. Six and a third of an inning. Ryan Nelson out of the bullpen, bad. Walked in, gave up three singles, walked back out. Everybody else, great. Just fantastic. And good managing by Tori Lovello to gamble that Zach Allen's going to give you a good game. And if he doesn't today, that's not the fault of Tori Lovello. That's on Zach Allen. But you need to be able to set that up well for uh, for today to go well. Okay, let's get into the game. Or excuse me, get into the post-game sound and let the players get into the game. Uh, theme number one is bullpen. So let's start there. Christian Walker, you saw it sitting at first base. Your bullpen doing as well as they did. What would you see? Yeah, uh, super impressed with everybody. Um, for me, uh, the Ginkle's performance stands out. To come in and, and give two uh, zeros like that in a, in a crucial, crucial part of the game. We know we got Pauly on the back end. Um, it was it was cool to see him stretch himself over two, but then also like, you know, put the team on his back and, and get to throw up some zeros when we needed it. Uh, at that point, it was a one run game. Um, you know that that close of a game it feels like it's it's still up for grabs. So, um, you know, to, to be able to the zeros are great, but also you know the momentum that gets stopped when there's two consecutive times that they're batting and there's nothing right. There's nobody on base. There's barely a ball put in play. Um, as an offense, that's that's frustrating, and um, you know he he really uh, he really put us on his back there today. If if you don't know this, I hope I can give you a quick second to learn the progression. I'd love to see from you as a member of the Unplugged Army. It's kind of like I have an agreement with you. I give you free audio, okay, every day. Usually by 9.30 in the morning, I give you a totally free podcast. And I ask you to do two things in order for you to to keep the podcast for free. Number one, learn who the sponsors are. Now, keep in mind, it's the sponsors that I talk about. Apple, Spotify, and a lot of these places, they drop their own commercials in. Like yesterday, I was listening. I like to listen to Unplugged to make sure I didn't screw something up. So I can retract something if I screw up. And I and I heard a spot in Spanish pop up. Like, listen, I don't get any money from those things. So some of those spots that you hear, I don't have anything to do with at all. Okay? I want you to know that. But every everything else, I want you to know, hey, if you have an opportunity to golf, if you aren't at least giving Whirlwind the chance to earn your business, you're screwing me in the head. All right? You're just stabbing me right in the eyeball. Because you're taking the free content, but not making an attempt to, hey, I got time for lunch. I can go to Bell's Nashville Kitchen. I can eat at Burrito Express. You choose a different air conditioning company. Your air conditioner goes on the fritz. You go cheap. You find out that company isn't a very good company. And you say, why? I should have listened to Doug and gone to Parker and Sons. So that's my agreement there. Okay. Now, from that standpoint, once you get used to the podcast, I would love for you to push yourself and say, you know what? I'm going to start watching on demand, and you know when I get home, I'm going to watch Doug Franz Unplugged on WTSMTV.com. And then after you start doing that, I'd like you to go, you know what, I, I come, I'm interested in becoming a Plus member, and then you can actually get the whole podcast live. Um, if you want to start getting up, let's say you get up at 6 o'clock every morning, why not get up and boom, the first thing you do is watch the four-minute offense. And you start watching Doug Franz Unplugged live on WTSM as a Plus member. The reason why I'm setting up those steps for you is if you get a chance today, watch this beautiful part of the program and watch the press conference with Christian Walker sitting right next to Corbin Carroll. I think it's hilarious. Christian Walker, it doesn't matter which member of the media asks the question, he spends a lot of time looking right at the camera. 
And I like, wow, okay, see, walk, you've got my attention the way you're doing that. Corbin Carroll's looking down the whole time in this weird white hat with horses on it. <laughs> and I was just completely entertained by Corbin Carroll just waiting for Christian Walker to be done while Walker is like laser focused on the press conference. But I like how he said that. In saluting his own bullpen, he's talking about how frustrating it gets to be an offense that can't get anything done. He mentioned Ginkle. Ginkle came in. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Thompson came in for a poor performing Ryan, Ryan Nelson. It's Ryan Thompson, Ryan Nelson. And Thompson got us out of that mess and then pitched to the minimum three batters when he came back into the next inning. And then Ginkle came in and just shut it down. Absolutely shut it down. And then even better in the, uh, what inning was it? In the, in the eighth, in the bottom of the eighth, struck out the side and went crazy as he walked off the mound. It was it got you so jacked up going into the top of the ninth inning the way Ginkle was losing his mind and Christian Walker noticed it and Tori Lavello knew full well give all credit to the bullpen. If I had a chance to speak openly um, to start this this um, this process here, I would have spoke about our bullpen. I would have obviously there's a, there's several highlights. Christian Walker's um, double to extend the lead, the home runs. But our bullpen was the reason why we won this game. And um, I wish we got more out of Brandon Fott. I just felt like once he got to a certain point, we had a gassed-up bullpen, um, knowing that Zach is going tomorrow with Merrill on the backside of that, uh, that we, we, we could maneuver a little bit to keep this game close. And, you know, it was, it was one after the other. This came in and executed and did a really good job. I know Ryan Nelson, um, I, I, we were we fell one inning short and Kevin Ginkle picked him up. That's why it was a team effort. But Ryan Nelson, um, I wanted to get him through that inning, maybe extend him into that next inning as well. Didn't work out, but that's what we have a team for, and they all pick one another up. On the one hand, don't look ahead, do your job, win today, right? Don't look ahead, do your job, win today. And that's true. Yet, how far do you want to go in the playoffs? I mean, it's a legit – I mean, hey – how far do you want to go in the playoffs? You think about that because of what's about to happen today, and I want to base the conversation on what you just heard. Tori Lovello made a gamble, and I think it was the right one. And I've been pretty critical about a lot of the decisions Tori Lovello made. I want to be fair when you – I don't want to say when you get one right, just because I agree with it, but I think you got this one right. Fought, stunk. You've got to put your team in the best position to win. Get him out. Fight like crazy. He managed like this was game seven. He managed like the Arizona Diamondbacks lose the series if they don't win this game right now. And I really think you've got – I mean, there's so many pieces to this win, okay? Corbin Carroll's two-run homer in the top of the third was vitally important. Because not only did it give the Diamondbacks a spirit of, hey, Corbin Burns, we can get to him, but it also allowed Tori Lovello to manage to win game one. If they go five, six, seven innings getting destroyed by Corbin Burns and it's 3 nothing, 4 nothing, or worse, you start to manage in such a way that says, okay, I'm going to burn one reliever, get a bunch of innings out of him, take this loss, and then manage so that my bullpen is ready so I can manage with desperation in game two and three and rely on Zach Allen, Merrill Kelly in order to do well. 
Now, with that two-run homer, and then Cattell going back-to-back and tying it up, now he could manage yesterday like win now. And what does that do for the future? The manager will never talk about this, but this is important. If the Diamondbacks win today, they fly home tonight, maybe Wednesday morning, up to them. They have Wednesday off, Thursday off, Friday off, and they haven't thrown Merrill Kelly yet. Now you go up against the Dodgers, Merrill Kelly game one, Zach Allen on normal rest Sunday, game two. You're able to go back-to-back with your aces, and if you've got any chance, okay, of beating the Dodgers in a seven-game and a best-of-seven series, you need to be able to have Kelly and Gallon going early. And this sets up perfectly if you win today. I, again, I didn't think they were going to beat the Brewers, so what do I know? I don't think they're going to beat the Dodgers. But if we've got a chance at beating the Dodgers... It's making sure Merrill Kelly doesn't throw against the Brewers. And now you've got him set for game one. And that's not until Saturday. Look at the rest that you would get. The advantage of being the one or the two seed is how much rest you get before you actually start. Remember, the regular season ended Sunday. Dodgers' first game of the postseason is Saturday. That's a, that's, that's even That's a longer break than the All-Star break. And the Diamondbacks will almost get that same break if they win today. This is a huge moment. And you actually start projecting, okay, can we beat the Dodgers? That has a lot to do with beating the Brewers today. You can't talk about that publicly because that just looks terrible. Because it looks like you're overlooking the Brewers. And we all know the Brewers are a damn good team. Okay, They could easily win today. But... This is where you get excited about winning against their ace. So let's talk about beating their ace. As the Diamondbacks beat Corbin Burns through great, great patience. Here's Christian Walker. Yeah, he's um, he's really good at throwing pitches, um, you know, just like living on the edges. He's got that heater at the top. Uh, threw me a couple good fastballs just just up above, um, you know, for whatever reason I was, I was able to take him tonight. Um, you know, obviously the changeup is his bread and butter. Um, but I, I think it starts with getting them in the zone. Um, you know, if you can start the at-bats, you know, with one or two balls, I think, you know, maybe there's a little, hopefully there's a little less conviction in like the nasty changeup and, you know, you're, you're playing the mistake game at that point. Um, but, but yeah, insurance runs late are, are crucial. Um, you know, our guys on the back end are great. We got a lot of confidence in them, but the more, um, you know, the more pad we can give them, the better. The reason why that is so important it's just from the human psyche is it alleviates the pressure. A, a guy in the bullpen feels like I can attack a lot more when I've got a two-run lead, a three-run lead. I can attack you, and you're more defensive. Because you know what? If I give up a solo homer, so what? And I want you to really focus on that difference. Because you give up a solo homer, we all lose our mind and get upset when, when it's our team that gave it up. But in truth... How often are you going to hit a solo homer? I mean, the average baseball player goes one for four. So one in every four at-bats is even going to be a hit. One in every 14 to 15 at-bats is, well, I I bet as a team, one in every 17 at-bats is going to be a home run. So the odds of that guy hitting a home run aren't very good. But instead of taking the mound with that feeling, a pitcher of a one run with a one run lead 
is thinking, I can't give up this homer. And you start to get too fine. And then you get behind in the count because you're trying to be too perfect. Now it's a 2-1 count, 3-1 count. And now the batter's only looking for one pitch. But if you don't get that one pitch, now you've walked somebody, the crowd's going crazy, blah, blah, blah. Just giving the team a three-run lead when that base hit from uh, Christian Walker made it 6-3, to three, now you're taking them out and saying, I can challenge you, I can be aggressive. And when you have that feeling, I bet the numbers, the true numbers of how many solo homers are hit with a three-run lead is probably even less because you're challenging guys and you can pitch more effectively that way. So a good point by Christian Walker about handling things with Corbin Burns but then going into the insurance runs. Okay, here is Corbin Carroll talking about the key to getting Corbin Burns out of the game early. I don't think our game plan changed much. Um, you know, he's a, he's a really good pitcher. We wanted to get him out of there. Um, I thought we took real patient at bats and, um, you know, got rewarded with that patience by getting some balls in the middle of the plate that we were able to put some good swings on. Totally sorry that I forget who was broadcasting the game, I admit. I was watching the game on television, but I, I wasn't listening to the broadcasters very much. ESPN, too. Yeah, I do. It was. I mean, the actual guys. Oh, who, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. No, Jeff, never apologize. I want. I want Jeff. I want you on this show more. Talk whenever you want. <laughs> um, but yeah, ESPN two has the game, and they have today's game as well. But I don't remember the two guys that were broadcasting it. But one of them really gushed about the Corbin Carroll home run because of the adjustments, and I think that is exactly right. In which Corbin Carroll got eaten alive by the splitter that was being not splitter um uh, cut fastball that was be, the cutter that was being thrown by Corbin Burns in his first at bat and it's interesting i love the thought process here i and i'm guessing i think Corbin Burns was thinking okay i know the cutter ate you up so i want to hold that pitch I want to wait and throw that 0-2 or 1-2. I want to challenge you at first with my other stuff, and then I want to hit you with the cutter at the end. And I think that Corbin Carroll went by the thought process of the same way. He's going to hold his cutter till late in the at-bat. So let's just look fastball and adjust to the change. It's hard to adjust to a cutter. Because what a cutter does is it, it's not like a baseball. It feels like somebody throws a bowling ball at you, okay? When a cutter comes in and you're like this, okay? You're ready to hit. You're ready to hit. You want to pop your hips, get your lead hand through the zone, and get the barrel of the bat right on the ball. And, and it feels like right before your barrel gets ready to hit the ball, all of a sudden the ball curves in and comes off, comes right at your handle. It comes right in on your hands. So now you're swinging, and you either keep your same swing and break your bat, or you now try to pull your hands in to get the barrel, and when you pull your hands in with that adjustment, you're hitting like this. And then you hit a little feeble grounder. And every now and then, you hit a feeble pop-up over the second baseman's head, and you become a World Series hero. Thanks, Gonzo. (laughs) But normally, the cutter eats you up. So he's thinking, I don't have to worry about bringing my hands in. I just have to worry about the timing. It's got to be fastball or changeup. And he's thinking, I'm a good enough hitter to adjust. And he figures out by the rotation of the ball about here, it's a changeup. Slow down, stay on the pitch, let your hips, let your hands come to the ball naturally. Boom, home run. 
There's a high level. Think about all that thinking. He got me out with the cutter. That's going to come later in the bat. Got to be fastball change. I can adjust. I see it. I hit it. Young man, home run. Rookie. That's that's all the thinking that goes on in a pitcher and player and batter's head. And Corbin Carroll did it. So as I went through everything, now listen to how natural Corbin Carroll talks about it. The game comes some so easy to him. He doesn't re- I don't even think he realizes how smart he is. Not, not specifically the changeup. Um, you know, it was, it was more of a reaction to you know pitch I saw well and um, was towards the middle of the plate. But you know, I think with him, you've got to honor all three. Um, you know, he's he's proven to me over the course of I think this is our fifth time facing him that that he'll throw all three and has you know pretty good command over all three. You just you just got a good look at it and and recognized it. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> if you're not watching right now on WTSMTV.com, I gotta tell you. Been around the game a long, long time. Not a bad ball player when I was younger. N- never gonna get paid to play, never gonna get go to college and play, but not a bad ball player. Been around pressers of baseball players or talking to guys for four hundred years. First time in my life I've ever seen a ball player answer a question, drink out of a straw, and then finish the, the follow-up. <laughs> Corbin Carroll with his, like, drink out of the, the Happy Meal. Yeah, it's all change up. It's just, I mean, all of a sudden it's a paper boy with a mustache getting postseason home runs. It's just fantastic. Oh, I can't believe, I can't believe we have this guy on, I think, eight more years. I think we got eight or nine more years of this guy. What a brilliant contract. You know how much that contract would cost right now? Oh, it's just an unbelievable intelligence from Mike Hazen and the baseball staff on drafting, developing, and signing uh, Corbin Carroll. Staying on Corbin Burns, because this is huge. This is why the Diamondbacks won and possibly are going to win the series because of what they did to Corbin Burns. Here's Tori Lovello talking about Game one against Corbin Burns, game two against Corbin Burns during the regular season, and how it related to game one of the postseason. We know that when we had success against him here, we got into some deep counts, took some pitches, borderline pitches, made him work a little bit harder. Um, I I think there was even an open comment that I may have read um, that he was going to make some adjustments, or he did make some – we made some adjustments on him because – he shut us down at Chase Field. I'm getting that right, I think. But um, we just felt like what, what drove us the last time, we needed to be stubborn in the zone, look for the pitch that we, we wanted We wanted to um, strike. And uh, it worked out really, really well. You know, you get a pitcher like Corbin Burns out of the game in the fifth inning, you're doing a lot right. You get a pitcher like Corbin Burns off the mound in the fifth inning and he's not winning, you're, you've done a lot right. So I felt like we did a really good game plan today. It was one of the shortest out. It might have been the shortest outing of Corbin Burns in the year. They did really, really well. And it had a lot to do with Mark Reppinger's strike zone. But the Diamondbacks were playing that strike zone better than the Brewers were. They took a ton of pitches because they knew we don't want to be trailing and go into that bullpen and let them line up seven, eight, nine. We got to get into their bullpen sooner. And Corbin Burns is so good, we've got to make him waste pitches. 
they did a great job of that. Even in the first inning, the Diamondbacks, because I think the first inning, yeah, 4-3-4-3-4-3, three straight ground outs to second, but at least they wasted some pitches and then worked it even more in the second. You got a base hit and a stolen base, but pop-up strikeout, strikeout. So even though the first two innings look bad, with two strikeouts, three ground outs to second, and a pop-up to first, and that's it other than one single. They used a lot of the pitches, and then it helped them in the third, and he's out of the game by the fifth inning. And and that sets up, Tory for how nice it is to win game one, knowing there's more left. But the reason why I wanted to play this for you within the Corbin Burns concept is listen to what he says at the end of this comment about their guy and our guy. You win game one, it feels good, but we got we got to do it right and take nothing for granted and stay humble and, and come here tomorrow and play our finest game and try and close them out, and they're going to come with everything they have. That's for sure. I know that. But, um, you know, we beat their ace. They're going to try to beat ours tomorrow. So That's a huge point because – if Zach Gallen pitches like he has on some of his poorer outings near the end of the season, then nothing changes. Then we're going back to game three, and we put the Brewers back in control of the situation. So this is why you're the ace, Zach Gallen. I mean, today is why you're the ace. And it's easy for us to put the pressure on him now that Corbin Burns is out. But that's what this is all about. You're here right now. You're the guy. How are you going to be able to handle it? What are you going to be able to do about it? I mean, that's, that's a big deal. Here we go. Uh, and, and I like how he finished that one. So that's it about Corbin Burns. Now let's talk about the phenom, okay? Corbin Carroll, rookie. Only human being in baseball history to go 25 homers, 50 stolen bases, 10 triples in the same year. Only rookie in the history of baseball to do the 25-50 part, homers and stolen bases. Multi-year contract, signed until the early part of the 2030s. Yes, he's going to be here that long unless they trade him. And in his first postseason game, he hits a home run in his second at-bat with his team down 3 to nothing. Christian Walker, who is Corbin Carroll? Yeah, that was the spark. Um, it uh, just kind of let everybody know, like, hey, we're in this. Um, you know, the, the confidence to see somebody – you know, turn around a good pitch. Um, it's like, hey, you know, like stay locked in. He's going to make mistakes. Um, but yeah, that was, I mean, that was the spark. It, it kind of took the edge off. Um, you know, we've, we've had some good, <clears throat> um, you know, some good success off of him this year. But, um, you know, every, every situation is different. Every start is different. Um, so to, you know, to swing at the bat, two runs, you know, all of a sudden it's a one run game. Um, yeah, it change, changes everything. It really is huge to talk about because we can sit here and say, hey, it doesn't matter that you're down 3 nothing. Do your job. Get a base hit. Have a good approach. Blah, blah, blah. You know, we say that. And, and it's true. It's not wrong. But what about the psyche? When you are getting blitzkrieg by, by him and Corbin Burns was pretty much lights out, had given up one hit, that was it, going into the third inning, gets the first batter out in Longoria, but then Perdomo gets a hit, okay, whatever, we've had one hit already, but we weren't able to do anything, and boom, the rookie does it. The rookie hits the home run against the ace. 
against the team that's supposed to whip us pretty good. And just like that, it's 3-2. to two. The team knows how weak – I think the players will never say it, but they know Brandon Fott is not ready for this moment. They know he has not pitched well enough this year to deserve a postseason start. But he's pitched better than anybody else other than two guys to get a postseason start. So what are you going to do? you got to start him. You don't have another option. And when he goes down so quickly, 3 nothing, it weighs on everybody. And then the rookie puts you right back in it. Couple that with Cattell Marte going yard. Snap of a finger, it's 3-3 against their ace and you're back in it. And now it's a race to who can score over the course of the next six innings. I, I love how he talked about that. Here's Tori Lovello on his rookie. You're always concerned about um, reading the room, watching what's going on, making sure the youngsters that have never played a playoff game, several of who are rookies and are just kind of cycling through their first go-round at the big league level, period. Um, you, you always, you always um, have small concerns. I mean, we had several step up today in a really, really big way. Um, I don't think Brandon Fott particularly threw his best day today, game today, but when he needed to make some pitches and get a, a big out or two, he did. I thought wiggling out of his situation in the first inning um, showed showed that he was ready. He's ready to go. Um, just made a no two mistake, and that was really a big a big blow to his outing. But overall, I felt like the youngsters were ready, um, and I, I couldn't be more proud of this group for what they did, um, falling behind three nothing in, in, in a way ballpark. In a playoff scenario, they fought all night long, and that was the entire team as well. Yes, but I just feel like there's more, Tori. Here's Christian Walker again going by what Corbin Carroll brings to us. Uh, when I saw his force plate production in the, in the lab at spring training, his ground force is incredible. Um, it, it was different. Um, you know, it's, it's no secret what kind of player he is and, and the tools that he – he possesses. Um, well, my, I'm, I'm very impressed with the ability to go out and execute, not not try to do too much. Um, you know, it's 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 the most consistent form of just playing his game. Um, you know, truly, truly an anchor to this offense. The veteran calls the rookie the anchor of the offense. Secondly, did you hear the beginning? When did you really know what you had? When were you surprised? When I saw his ground force. Okay. New baseball term last eight years, maybe? Something like that. If you're a scout, one of my scout friends, feel free to text me and say, no, we've been saying that for only four years. Or No, Doug, where have you been? We've been saying that for 20 years. But what they're talking about is a new thing in baseball, and almost every team has it now. The Diamondbacks invested heavily into it at Salt River Fields. Is weight, is plates in the batter's box. And I don't mean plates that you eat off of. Metal plates that then you hit from and there's measuring tools on everything hooked to computers to figure out how well you transfer power the elite athlete is able to is is more muscle efficient is able to generate more power more strength more speed through its muscles through less wasted motion less wasted energy wasted power and so the players stand on these plates, feet in their normal batting stance, and they hit. And the plates in the computer can measure how much force are you developing into the ground and back up through your legs that then transfers into your swing. 
And Corbin Carroll, I'm telling you, the kid only runs about a buck seventy. But there is zero wasted effort. Every ounce of his muscle efficiency is going into the point of contact. You know what I mean for those of you that golf. I I bet I can swing a golf club, you know, pretty fast compared to a lot of other people. But there's not the efficiency. It takes so much effort for me to swing it hard that then I'm out of control and the ball goes everywhere. If I swing the club under control, I get it down the middle and I only get it about 180 yards down the middle with a driver. I swing hard, man, I hit the crap out of it. I can easily get it 270. And you choose whichever fairway other than the one I'm on is where the ball's going to go. You know, it's kind of like that. His muscle efficiency leads to contact through that ground force. And I love the deep dive of what Christian Walker said. Wow. Basically, I've been impressed with this kid since spring training. All right, the last set of uh, stuff to talk about, which was fantastic in this game, is Evan Longoria's defense and his defensive awareness. Line drive, which would have been a two-run base hit, possibly a a three-run double. But definitely two runs were going to score as it goes up and to the left away from Evan Longoria. And he makes a fantastic reaction play where it's completely just being locked in. You can, a lot of third basemen make that play if they're focused. No third baseman makes that play if, they don't, if they're not. And that shows you Evan Longoria ready to go with a huge line drive catch that should have been one out and saves you from uh, giving up a bunch of runs. Instead, what's even more amazing about it – I got the wrong score sheet. Sorry that I was flipping around. No way Josh Donaldson would have made that catch yesterday. That sounds like a man that's bitter about Josh Donaldson. Yeah. (laughs) You could say that. Is, are you, by chance, Braves fan? <laughs> is that, is that, was that a Josh Donaldson slam there? Yeah, you're probably right, to be quite honest. But it was in the fifth inning in which you had the uh, the bases loaded. Ryan Nelson started the fifth, gave up base hit, base hit, base hit, and then got at least one out, struck a batter out, and then got pulled for Thompson. And then Thompson's only batter was Taylor, and Taylor hit a rocket. And then terrible, terrible base running. <laughs> Would you like to know who the bad base running was from? <laughs> yeah. I forgot that. When you said Josh Donaldson, I didn't think about it. Like, yeah, he was the guy on first. He was on base. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of funny. Um, no, actually, you know what? I wrote it on the wrong line. Sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Donaldson. I wrote 5-4 for the guy on first because I was thinking that's where you get an out at second. You know, the guy on first is running second. But no, no, no. It was Adamas, who is on second, who got doubled off. When you have to know where are the fielders. And as soon as you see a line drive, you should know a fielder is there. I need to get back. And instead, Adamas took two steps towards third. Boom, it's caught. Now he's a dead duck, and you actually get a double play. Fantastic. Fantastic from Evan Longoria. Then... Uh, a little later in the game, it's the weirdest, weirdest scoring decision I've ever had in which um, – oh, no, wait. Was that Adamas again? Oh, uh, let me find Yelich. There it is. So, it, never mind. It was not Adamas. In the sixth inning, you've got Yelich gets on by a walk, via walk. And then Contreras hits one 
to Evan Longoria. Evan Longoria comes across the field behind the mound, takes a bounce, doesn't field it well, and it hits off his glove and goes up in the air. Christian Yelich looks and sees no one is covering third because the shortstop was charging in. Longoria is coming across the diamond. It's the catcher's job to go cover third, and I don't think Moreno did it. So now Yelich takes about two steps past second, thinking about going to third. And what's hilarious is if he goes to third, he's safe. There's no way they get him at third base. And yet, out of reaction, the brain says, I can't get all the way to third. Christian, no one's there to tag you. It's okay. Go. But the brain says, I can't make it all the way to third. Let's get back to second. And as he tries to slide back into second, I told you about it about 6.05, 6.10 in the morning. You get the swipe tag because Longoria is always paying attention. Great play. So Longoria's defense, fantastic in this game. And uh, uh, good comment by Tori Lovello to start things off about the veteran presence that Longoria brought all day, or all year. I, I talked about his steadiness, his his demeanor, his experience. And, you know, I just I, – I have a good feeling when I look out there and he's standing at third base or he's in up at the plate – so I can only imagine what some of his younger teammates or all of his teammates. He ends up getting a big base hit, uh, making some unbelievable defensive plays, and, and really saved us in a couple of key situations. Obviously, the double play was a huge play um, that got us out of that fourth or it was a, I think it was a fifth inning. Um, but equally important was the, the base hit, potential double that he took away, uh, or the double that he took away that turned into a double play. Um, so... He was ready, and it's just a very calm um, veteran presence that we all needed. And I think we built off of him. And that is why you have the Nick Ahmed situation. I hate to say it. That is why a lot of teams are so hesitant to get rid of veterans because you see the benefits. And Evan Longoria proved the benefits right there of why you keep veterans. And keep in mind, Evan Longoria has had a very, very poor offensive season. I'm saying that to you, understanding it, but not necessarily totally agreeing with it. I I still don't like getting rid of Josh Rojas. I, I just think the spirit of Josh Rojas, the energy of Josh Rojas, that's, that's a player you need on your team. You need energy guys. But there could be some truth. I don't say some truth because I don't want to act like there was a rumor and then now it's proven. But there could be a little bit where the edge was off of Josh Rojas a little bit because he signed a bigger contract. He's finally comfortable for the first time in his life. And now it's okay. You know, everything's good. And he didn't play with the same edge and started to tail off a little bit at the end of the, uh, the year before he got traded. I get that. But I like the edginess. And you you do have i still think you have a massive hole at third base that this franchise needs to fix maybe lawler is the shortstop of the future and perdomo is going to be the third baseman for a long time i like to have some pop in my third baseman but you know if you're going to get pop somewhere else like from a corner outfielder and corbin carroll that's small okay maybe you can get away with perdomo at third base those are kind of the options but that was a day where veteran presence was needed, and Longoria really came to play with two or three great defensive plays. He also got a base hit, and you can see when you hear people like Christian Walker talk about what it means to have Evan Longoria on the team. 
incredible. Um, <clears throat> you know, the, the guy just continues to rise to the occasion when we need him. Um, you know, not only is he an excellent veteran presence, but when the moment calls for it, he, um, you know, he's amazing. He's, he comes through for us, whether it's on at the plate or in the field. Um, I mean, without that play, without the head on the swivel on the chopper across the middle to catch the runner on the back end at second, um, maybe, yeah, I think it was Yelich. Um, without both of those, like Corbin said, it's, it's a different box score. It's a different game. Um, you know, that, that's a huge, huge part of why we won tonight because, because of Longoria for sure. I love that from Seawalk. Now, I'm going to throw you a curveball, Jeff, for your production. I want to go Longo 3, but instead of playing that one, will you replay the same one you just played? Seawalk 5, okay? If you are watching, if you're listening to the podcast, I really encourage you to try to watch it today because, granted, I might be entertained by things no one else is entertained by. But you can learn so much about people watching their body language, okay? So if you want practice in reading body language, tell me what this would tell you body language-wise. Nervous tick or something? Okay. I can't wait for those of you listening to the podcast. Say, what are you doing? What I was doing was my imitation of Corbin Carroll. Uh, incredible. Um, <clears throat> you know, the, the guy just continues to rise to the occasion when we need him. Um, you know, not only is he an excellent veteran presence, but when the moment calls for it, he, um, you know, he's amazing. He's, he comes through for us, whether it's on at the plate or in the field. Um, I mean, without that play without the head on the swivel on the chopper across the middle to catch the runner on the back end at second. Um, maybe, yeah, I think it was Yelich. Um, without both of those, like Corbin said, it's, it's a different box score. It's a different game. Um, you know, that that's a huge, huge part of, of why we won tonight because, because of Longoria for sure. <laughs> They're just, he cannot sit still. I, I mean, listen, that's good for us. That's why he's a stolen base king. Okay, but it is so. And I should say, King. I, I think Mister and Mrs. Acuna are like, wait, what? But he, that's why it's that just shows you. No matter what we're doing, our entire fate rests in a kid. They just can't sit still. So all the teachers that have tried, you sit still, Corbin. No, not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. And yet we get the benefits of that. So I'm highly entertained by that. All right, Longo, how about your day? You get a base hit, fantastic defense, great play on the line drive, turned into a double play. How do you feel? For me, when I signed here, I mean, my goal and my belief was always that we can, we can, and this group could. Um, and, yeah, so to be here, like, I, I, uh, I have a, you know, serious appreciation for the group in there and the work that they've put in and, um, you know, everything we accomplished and, um, and, and Tommy was a big part of it, you know, bringing him, um, you know, Jace at the deadline, Paul at the deadline, um, and them, you know, helping us, uh, get to the end. Um, those, those moves, you know, obviously they don't go unnoticed by the guys in the clubhouse. And, um, so, yeah, I mean, it, uh, you know, before 21 making the playoffs in 21 with the giants, it had been quite a while, um, and every year that uh, I have the opportunity to do it, 
uh, it's it just gets more and more special, you know, the further along you get. Not every guy is like this. Some people say they're competitive, but they're not really. But most players love their friends, love their teammates, and would step on their throat to win a championship. So when you hear Evan Longoria say bringing in different players doesn't go unnoticed, they don't want Josh Rojas to get traded. They don't want Nick Ahmed to get cut. They, they don't want to see anybody go away. But they want to win more than what they want to protect a friendship. And they feel like, hey, my friendship's not going to go away because you're gone. But they want to win. And I, I don't like to use this term because we're talking about human beings here. But let's just cut to the chase. You're trimming the fat. You're trimming the things that you, can, that you don't need. You're trimming the parts that aren't helping in order to get to where you want to go. And other players, they do get motivated. Okay, management's taking this seriously. Listen, I have worked for companies where management's a disaster, and I have worked for companies where management is magnificent. And you can't help it. When you know you're fighting an uphill battle, it wears you down. Unplugged Army, I'm telling you, keep going. I'm asking you, keep going. But if you've got bad management, I've always told you this. That's why we have sanctioned events. Get yourself to sanctioned events. Bring a business card. Talk to people. Hey, do you know who else is hiring? What is it that you do? Is there something you see in my skill set that helps me be able to maybe possibly work for you? Find your calling. That's huge. And even even in Major League Baseball, you're hearing a comment like that. They made these moves. They show us that we're fighting just as hard as you. We're trying to get better. So then you feel more comfortable that your effort is not being wasted on weak management. Very, very important. It shouldn't affect human beings the way it does. But I, I admit to you totally, it's affected me. It's affected me. It, it's, I shouldn't say this because this is now ripping somebody else from my own fault. I think it's partly why I, I am not at the station anymore. Because I saw so many mistakes by management, and I instead of working hard to present good ideas, be a positive influence, move the company forward in whatever sphere of influence I had, I got bitter knowing I want to be great and you want to screw it up. <laughs> and it got really frustrating. And that frustration had to have shown from, day, from time to time. And, that, and it can't. you got to be able to bottle it up. Suck it up, and then get a beer when you get home. I don't know how my wife feels about that last part. Okay, Diamondbacks today, 4 o'clock. More than likely, another... Listen, I went an hour on D-backs today. I hope you believe it was warranted. I do. A lot of great things, and hopefully tomorrow's not a rip fest because they choked and fell on their face today at 4 Uh, o'clock. One thing we haven't done, I want to do a lot of Suns because the Suns are... uh, Possibly a championship team. I don't think they're better than Denver. I don't think they're better than Boston. I don't. I don't think they're better than Milwaukee. But I think they're a, a, a championship caliber team that can win. I think they can win a championship. So let's do deep dives every day that we can. We got to know Frank Vogel a little bit better yesterday. I'll kind of introduce him to you next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged. We're presented by WhirlwindGolfClub.com. 
and the Whirlwind Plus program. If you haven't looked it up, wow. I'm going to explain the savings and Frank Vogel next on Doug Franz Unplugged. This is WTSMTV.com. It's hot. We've had a pretty hot summer here in Arizona. Who can you trust with your air conditioning? There's only one place my family has ever trusted in Arizona, and that's Parker & Sons Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical. Call 602 to repair. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. And the reason why I suggest them to you as passionately as I possibly can is I know they've showed up on time to my home every time, and they've gotten it right the first time every time, and they've treated me fairly every time. What else can you say? Plus, they don't charge anything for nights, weekends, emergencies. That means something, because when your air conditioner goes out in the summer in Arizona, that's an emergency. You need repairs fast, and you can trust Parker and Sons. How do I know? Because my family does. 6022 repair. That's 602, the number two, then R E P A I R for Parker and Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub and Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. Deep dive into Suns. We got versus Vegas coming up. Uh, man, crazy. I got a, this is going to sound weird. I got a 9.30 breakfast this morning that I don't have any idea how I'm going to get to on time. <laughs> but then I uh, have more proposals to work on. Sorry that Fitz has got his back to you. Here's Senator McCain. There we go. Uh, got a lot to do, but it's like, it's like a fun excitement, you know, when you know every step is getting you closer to dreams. So I'm jacked up today. Before I get into Suns, if uh, if you're not watching right now on WTSMTV.com, again, please start to transition to both. You'll always have free Doug Franz unplugged, but it helps me a lot more if you if you become a plus member. So I'd love for you to jump in both feet, become a member of the Unplugged Army, especially as we keep growing. And right now, it's pretty cool. Six hours of local sports programming, the only TV station in Arizona that does that. Think about all of the TV stations, and nobody cares enough about our local sports teams to give you six straight hours of local sports programming. And the more of you that become a plus member, the closer we get to our goal to be a 24-hour Phoenix sports station. That's awesome. That's like real big city stuff. You know what I mean? I'm jacked up to try to be here at the beginning, see it through to the end, but I need you. I'd love for you to be a part of it. And if we don't earn your money, we don't earn your money. You know, then I got to suck it up and try to get better. Um, One of the areas where you can help us too is to always support the sponsors. But I don't want it to just be you know, out of some kind of guilt trip. I want the sponsors to give you something too to make it worth your while. And when I see the Whirlwind Plus plan, 
Holy crap. So this is Sweet Lou. Sweet Lou joined us yesterday to explain it. We put it up on the website now that's specifically devoted to those of you in the Unplugged Army. So if you get a chance today, go to unplugged at whirlwind.com. Unplugged at whirlwind.com. And there's a flyer right there that shows you what the Whirlwind Plus plan is all about. And then if you click on sign up today, it'll take you to the actual website that's got the entire plan and then it explains it in deeper detail and you decide what you want to spend okay now here's how whirlwind plus works i i'm shocked by this they have advanced analytics that looks at the demand for coming up for uh upcoming days so they know how much the cost is for different tea times if you're a whirlwind plus member you can call at any point between hours before you want to golf and five days before, any time in that time frame, and set a tee time. And as a Whirlwind Plus member, you get the lowest, uh, um, I would say, fee for that day. So whatever, it's the lowest rate of the day. So let's say they have a 3 o'clock in the evening rate. You're a Whirlwind Plus member. You might be able to get that at 11 in the morning. Now, I say might because somebody else might have to – like being a Whirlwind Plus member, you don't get to kick somebody out of their tea time. But it's pretty crazy how fantastic of the savings that is. So that savings is somewhere between 30 and 60% off every time you set a tea time. That's – okay. That's pretty big time. Now, it gets even better. You also get 15% off at Civlic and 15% off at the Pro Shop. Here's the cost, and I want you to do the math with me. If you only think you want to sign up for about three months, maybe like during the real expensive time of February, March, and April, that's when you want to play. It's $34 a month. Now, think about how quickly you can save $34 a month, okay? If a tea time normally costs about a buck ninety, all right, $190, but they have a couple tea times later in the day that's 99, you've got a five-day window to jump in. So you know you want to golf Friday afternoon or like late Friday morning. You get to Tuesday. You look up tea times. You take the 11 o'clock in the morning tea time, and you get it for a later rate. You've saved about 50%. You saved about maybe $90. You paid $34, saved 90 Hello? That's like, holy crap, are you kidding? Now, is it going to be that way every time? No, I don't know how much the later times are going to be. I don't know the percentage off each time. Sweet Lou can't tell you that because it's based on the analytics. But it's going to be so easy to save $34 a month when you book a tea time. Now it gets even better. Think about the 15% off. You go in and buy a sleeve of balls, a shirt, and a hat. Heck. That's over 100 bucks. Boom, you just save $15. You go to Civlic with your wife for happy hour. You get a bunch of wings and a couple beers, or you take a client out to lunch at Civlic. That's going to be over $100. Boom, you just save $15. <laughs> You've paid for it. It's so easy to pay for the savings, even if you're a casual golfer. But if you're a regular golfer, oh my gosh. Then you're just a failure if you don't do it. It's such a good savings to be able to do this. Now, there's two other things that makes it even better. 
Number one, he's going to have VIP events that you get invited to. Like they're going to do fireworks on the 4th of July. So you don't have to fight the crowd somewhere. You can go right there and, and enjoy the fireworks at, uh, at uh, Whirlwind. They have specials on room rates and they'll have specials at the spa. If you want to, like imagine for Christmas and you want to go get some stuff at the pro shop and a couple spa appointments for your spouse, now you get savings when you do that. That's crazy. So it's all of these things all added up. Now, if you if you can afford it and you can pay up front, they're only charging $299 for the whole thing. So $34 a month, that's around $400 for the year. You cut off another $100 if you just pay the $299 one-time fee. So you walk in today, pay the $299 as a member of the Unplugged Army, and you're, I mean, you're set for the year. It turns a $200 course not quite. It's a little more expensive than a Muni, but it basically makes you like a private club member for a much more affordable dollar. I, I didn't mean to spend five minutes on it. I'm just so passionate for what this does for the Unplugged Army. To me, it makes it possible for those of you that can't afford a private golf membership, actually affordable, to play a legendary courses, great golf courses. And at the same time, if you are a private golf member, you might look at that and say, you know what, that's, that's such a good deal. I maybe should just be a member here and jump on that. $34 a month or $2.99 for the year. I, I totally think it's worth it, even if you don't golf all that much. If you golf once every two months, you'll save enough money that it makes it worth it to be a yearly member. It's that good of a deal. Okay. Thanks for letting me uh, talk about that for as long as I did. I just, I'm just that passionate about who these guys are and how much they've helped all of us in the Unplugged Army. Let's get to Suns. Uh, this was important to me. I think I've, I've never said that phrase, and I've said it like seven times today. Important to, to me. Good question. Kellen Olson of, um, I think it's called Empire of the Sun, is the, uh, is the website that he writes for. Kellen Olson asked a really good question about, we know you're a defensive head coach, but day one of practice, really what's the defensive focus? What's the measure to play Frank Vogel defense? Obviously, it starts with, with transition defense and finishing possessions. You know, get your get defense back and get it set. Um, you know, but also, you know, a really heavy emphasis on on the boards. You know, the physicality of, of boxing out. Um, you know, the, the two-on-two coverages that I keep us out of rotations is a big point of emphasis. And, um, you know, that we're going to have a multiple-layered uh, defensive attack you know, we're going to have a lot of things in our bag to throw at, a, at opponents throughout the course of an 82-game season, um, you know, that will help prepare us for the playoffs. Let's really dive into that. A lot of teams are average at least, even bad teams, are average defensively when it's five-on-five. Five. It's hard to score five-on-five. Five. And then you get into the teams that are elite defensively five-on-five. So to him, it starts with transition defense. Now, the best defense is not turning the ball over, okay? There's a phrase you've heard a million times, live ball turnovers. What that simply means is you turn the ball over without throwing it out of bounds. You tur- like If you take a charge, a charge is actually a turnover for the other team. So that guy that runs into you, he gets a foul, 
and he gets a turnover. Because he had the ball, charged into you, now it's a turnover. But those things are all dead ball turnovers. Nobody ever really says the phrase dead ball turnovers. But you have an inbounds pass that's upcoming. You have a delay before the other team comes on the attack. Even though you screwed up, you're going to have a second to set your defense. Live ball turnovers are when you turn it over on the wings or out front and now you're scrambling to get back on defense. It's almost impossible to stop that. But transition defense is simply, you missed the shot, now how well are you getting back? And that to him is the entire beginning of a good defensive team. Having the desire to get back after a missed shot. Are you so bitter because you want to score so bad that you want to spend time pouting on the offensive end and not getting back? It's a character flaw. It's a lack of desire to win. Missing shots happens. Your reaction to missing shots is your character. And here he is saying it starts with transition defense. But he ends with part of transition defense being offensive rebounding. That as long as you're not being reckless, I want you on the boards because the benefit of being able to get to the offensive glass, wearing down the other team, frustrating the other team, and forcing them to slow up their break. The key to a fast break is normally guys getting out and running and trusting bigs to be able to get the defensive rebound. If you hit the offensive glass hard, now more guys have to stay back and and defend. More guys are back, less guys are running the fast break. Now, everybody knows what I just said. There's not an NBA coach that disagreed with anything I just said. The key is, can you translate that to the players and get them to actually do it? And Frank Vogel is kind of famous for being able to uh, to do that. All right, the next one is he was asked about defense and rotation and participation and guys buying in. And, of course, he says the standard, well, we've got to communicate, blah, 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 blah. But then... I love where he goes here. This isn't like with the passion of Kenny Dillingham, but it's kind of similar in which just because I'm saying something, are you doing anything about it? Well, I think they got to, we, we, we just, we really encourage communication and uh, the underrated piece of communication is the willingness to listen. You know, like we're going to challenge each other, um, but if we're, if we're going to be, you know, defensive, you know, every time somebody tries to correct you or put you in a place, then we're not going to get very far. So, um, you know, it starts with that communication and willingness to listen, uh, but also encouraging these guys that are really some of these guys brand new to our team uh, to get to, to know each other as, as people every bit as, uh, as, as much as they're getting to know, know them on the floor. You know, they got to know their tendencies and where they like to get their shots and whatnot, but you know, how's your, uh, tell me about your kids. Tell me about your mom and dad. You know what I mean? Like, let's let's get to know them on a personal level as well. <laughs> I mean, I could go forever on that one. That's a huge comment. If you're going to get defensive when we try to correct you. You ever dealt with somebody like that? On the one hand... You've got to internalize it. It means you haven't done enough work to earn that person's respect. Okay? There's a little bit on you. Don't act like it's all the other guy. But if you're trying to help somebody, you're trying to correct somebody, 
either they might be soft and that gets exposed by your in it, but maybe you're too hard in how you say it, but their defense mechanism kicks in because a lack of self-esteem or a lack of respect for you. It's one or the other every time. There's, it can never be something else. Now, maybe you deserve the disrespect. I'm not saying that. But that's a huge point. If you can't communicate to somebody about their flaws, that means they're working too hard at hiding their flaws or they don't give a crap what you think. And that's Frank Vogel's point. In order to have great communication, you have to be able to listen to what somebody says and and advance on it, work on it, improve on it. And I like how he had the courage to say that. Because you got a Kevin Durant, you got a Devin Booker, you got a Bradley Beal. You got three guys that are very high basketball IQ guys, and you're trying to correct them. But he's he's putting it down right now. Are you willing to listen? But then he admits, how's your family? How's life? You got to get to know somebody for them to feel comfortable actually listening to what you have to say about their their abilities or inabilities to do something well. That's how long do you want to go on that? That is great that he recognizes it. Doing it is something entirely different. You're still dealing with a guy that's been fired in three different places. Okay? This is his fourth head coaching job. That's a lot to get that many chances. But it shows you how knowledgeable he is that he's still getting uh multiple multiple champions or or opportunities. Uh, this is a quick one, but it, it interested me of just admitting how hard it really is to win a championship from a guy that's a championship head coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I really do. I think uh, there's no really bad teams. You know, I think, um, you know, last year I really felt like there was 13 teams that could be, you know, scary in and in, in, in make the top eight and could be scary and, and pull off an upset. No, um, so there's a lot of contenders, and I think it's as deep as it's been, and you know, since I can remember. I have a Frank Vogel opinion that I will never tell Frank Vogel. I don't think his championship is real. <laughs> now, listen, the rules were the same. Everybody had the chance to win the COVID championship. The rules were the same. Have a decent enough regular season to be invited make the playoffs. That was as legitimate as it could be for that year. But to me, the Lakers were carried by Anthony Davis. And I think Anthony Davis is too soft mentally to lead a team to a championship when you've got to go on the road, face real fans, have real media scrutiny, and not be placed in a bubble. I think Anthony Davis is one of the best players in all of basketball when he's in a bubble. And I don't. I, I think he's too soft to be considered great when he's not in a bubble. And if I actually looked at Frank Vogel and said that, he might not ever talk to me. He might not. Because I just looked at his championship ring and said, yeah, you won that because Anthony Davis was tough, and Anthony Davis really isn't tough, and therefore it was a COVID-produced championship, so I'm not buying it. He's going to go, well, I'm not buying you, little D-backs jersey boy. And I, and I get that. But I still like Frank Vogel, and I still think he's a great coach. All right, last one. Uh, coaching staff and the players, how's everybody meshing together, Coach, now that you've got a whole new staff? 
Uh, they're responding really well. I think the, the connectivity has been really good. Uh, this summer was huge for our staff integrating with the players that we have. You know, we spent a lot of time um, in this gym, away from this gym, um, you know, throughout the summer, just getting to know these guys as, as people, uh, talking about the system we're going to put in place. And, you know, most of the staff has been with me, you know, in, uh, in the past. Um, and Kevin Young has been a, a great addition. You know, his, his knowledge, his corporate knowledge of what they've done here the last few years has been invaluable in terms of us, uh, you know, making this transition. Number one assistant for Monty Williams stays. He's the chief assistant for Frank Vogel, Kevin Young. The reason why I like that, and I hope you give me credit for being right so far about Jonathan Gannon, but the things Gannon said in preseason and in the offseason led me to believe, okay, this guy, this guy's going to be good for us. I feel the same way about Frank Vogel. He's saying a lot of the right things with zero adversity yet. Let's see how he handles adversity, though. All right, coming up next, we got to talk to Steve McCollum. We got the main event. I want to know what's going on with them. And I've only talked D-backs and Suns, so he's going to bring a lot more to the table in the next two hours. Plus, how does he feel? Can the D-backs win one of the next two games? Are we going to L.A.? That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. It's big, it's juicy, it's meaty. Get your burrito at Burrito Express. If you're having a hangover, a bad day, even a good day, still get your burrito at Burrito Express. It will make you feel better. Burrito Express started with my father about... 25 years ago, he got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old. And I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. There's just nothing like living in a city with a baseball team in the playoffs that's that that wins. It's just because you have just such a long grind in baseball to get here. So I was jacked up uh, yesterday, and uh, and Steve, you were you were doing pretty good uh, yesterday on the Diamondbacks, right? Well, I, I ultimately picked Milwaukee to win. I said, what, uh, Monday, I said, Diamondbacks are going to probably win this series. I changed my mind driving in yesterday morning after researching it and all that, and I just thought the Milwaukee Brewers bullpen was going to be the difference. It's going to be able to shut down the Diamondbacks' bats. And they showed us they showed me wrong yesterday, but here's the other exciting thing. I don't think you've touched on this. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the fact that Milwaukee had a bolt had to use their closer yesterday, thirty something pitches, and three of their stars out of that bullpen had mm-hmm. extended outings yesterday. They're spent for today. I touched on it on a tweet, okay. but you know, no, 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 yeah. you, and I mean yesterday, you're dead wrong. I did, I have not brought it up in the first hour and forty five minutes. Your clo- their closer pitched thirty pitches yeah. in that game, so he's still going to be okay for today. Yeah, I, but let's face it. Now, if the Brewers win today, 
their strength is that bullpen, yeah. and there's no way the bullpen is going to be a strength today and tomorrow, I yeah, don't think. Yeah. So the Diamondbacks clearly have a little bit of a driver's seat, and I admit I thought the Brewers were going to win in three games. I thought Zach Gallen would win his game. Now I just hope I'm right because <laughs> I, being right today yeah. proves me wrong yeah. overall, and I, I want to be wrong. Yeah, I said yesterday on our show, I said, look, Diamondbacks win game one. They, they're they set up to win this series with their aces going. Now they got to go out and do it, of course. Uh, but I definitely think that the Diamondbacks did everything yesterday to turn this series into in their favor, right? One hundred percent in their favor, no less. And that's a, that's the expectation now. If they don't look, you know, I'll forgive a loss today, but two losses in a row with your aces out there are going to be a whole other situation. How, is, so. Now, I, I have not done the math of how often that happened when the one time when, when they got a no decision, yeah. and then it happened. Like oh, like, yeah. let's say Gallon pitches, he's got the lead bullpen, blows it. Yeah. But twice during the regular season at L.A. and at the Mets. It happened where both guys got a loss back to back. So it's it's not very often to think that both of them are going to lay an egg. No, I mean, this is what they get paid for. This is why you put them out there. Um, I will say this, that win or lose today, that uh, Gallon needs to go deep into this inning to keep that bullpen fresh. And at the same time, get to the Milwaukee starter again. Make him go back into that bullpen because if it does go to Romero Kelly tomorrow, you want that bullpen completely depleted going into it. And that's that's what's most impressive to me on what the Diamondbacks were able to do yesterday. Was I expected? Of we all expected, right? Corbin to go out there, go six, seven innings. Then you got your setup guy. Then you got mm-hmm. the closer that comes in, yep. whether they win or lose, and they'd have their bullpen. The rest of it, they were able to flip the strength of that Milwaukee team. Now take advantage of it. Sometimes in life, you just have to accept something that makes no sense. And there's one thing that makes... Welcome to the main event. (laughs) Well said. There's one thing that has never made sense to me, and you just got to quit fighting it. (laughs) Closers always fail in non-closing situations. Absolutely. Now, it's not true. Sometimes they do okay. But the number of times... Teams put in their closer in a non-closing situation, and it blows up. I get why you do it. Hey, he's our best reliever. we got to get out of this inning if we're going to win. But, oh, my gosh, it happens too often to yeah. ignore it. Well, um, but, I mean, that that basically was a closing situation yesterday. Yeah. Uh, down by one, you yeah. have to keep it at one, you know, basically to have a good shot at, at coming around the bottom of that ninth. Man, that that's nasty. What is that, a cutter he throws that yes. goes into the ground just wasn't working? I mean, Diamondbacks. The best thing that Diamondbacks happened yesterday was Tommy Pham was up in that inning. I uh, was able to get on because he's the most patient Diamondback hitter. He does not chase bad pitches. And I think that just shows the rest of the team, hey, just be patient. Sit here. Let it go down there. If, and if it ends up being a strike because it doesn't cut all the way down, fine. But don't chase that pitch. And I think his presence uh, at the batting thing, it's kind of amazing to watch it. It's a great point by you because how often does somebody get credit He's 0 for 4 with two strikeouts yeah. as the designated hitter. Yeah. Your whole, all you do is you're supposed to hit, yet it is fifth at bat being 0 for 4. You have this unbelievable pressure, self-induced pressure yeah. of, I got to do something here. I got to get a hit. Yeah. And yet he's got the patience as an 0 for 4 guy to, div- to get a walk. And then that really ate into the pitcher's time. And now yeah. the Diamondbacks get a win and blow up the closer. Yeah. And, and, and uh, Williams threw some pitch that you should chase 
<laughs> and he, he did not chase them. And, uh, you know, it was just amazing how bad to see that point in the game. But we can't give enough credit to Longoria. Look, uh, old man Longy, right? Who, that's old guys support. Old guys rule. Uh, his defense <laughs> saved it for the Diamondbacks. The terrible base running by the uh, by the Brewers. Yeah, that's big. Ruined, you know, was there. If you're in Milwaukee today, you're talking about their base running. You're talking about just bad luck on the, on the, on the defensive side if you're looking at Longoria's plays. Uh, out there, and uh, you're, you're positive about today's game, so there's nothing to not be positive about, you know, to turn that around. Yesterday was error fest in, in the Major League Baseball. It Tampa was, Tampa yeah. Bay was awful. I got, I went home and watched that game. I was like, what is Tampa Bay doing out there? It's like they never played baseball before. Uh, Phillies, uh, it just goes to show you that the Diamondbacks made the right move, getting swept by the Astros, to not face the Phillies, because, wow, they are good. Since you mentioned um, the other games, the uh, game eight, game eight. I had to cheat and look it up because after World War One, baseball decided we need to have a best of nine World Series yeah. to make more money, and the Black Sox lose to the Reds in game eight of the nineteen nineteen World Series. Yep. That game is the last time there was a game with fewer people watching it in the postseason yeah. than the Rays game yesterday. 19,000. Look, I'm going to add myself in there. That was a 19,024. and 19,025, <laughs> I was sitting at home watching it yesterday. Uh, look, the game... Why are I, they going right back to St. Petersburg? They're building a new yeah, stadium yeah. right well, next to the old one. It's not just the stadium, though, where that stadium's at. I mean, that stadium's in a terrible spot. It's hard to get to. It's, That's what I've heard. You have to go, like, through the bay. There's, like, one road in, one road out. Yeah, like, I know um, Tampa pretty <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah. I don't know St. Pete at well, all. And they yeah. say it's one bridge, yeah. and it's a night, and nobody from it, Tampa wants to go to a game. It, it would be like going to Coronado Island in San Diego every day for a game. You know, you have to go in on this bridge. It's hard to get to. The other thing is, is I look, I, I don't understand starting a, a Major League Baseball playoff game at noon on a Tuesday in any market. Now, some markets will show up, right? Cubs, fan, you know, yep, Chicago yep. fans will show up. Boston fans will show Good up. Good point. Uh, but in most of the country, uh, people that can afford those tickets have jobs. That might be why they do it, because they might look at it as, we can't get anybody to go to Tampa anyway. Stick them with a bad time. <laughs> That's another issue. It's time for... Very happy on my three and O heater, even though it's not really a heater when when you're only three and O. It's not a heater, but hey, I need it. I need it after some struggles. Went one and O two nights ago. Looking at Monday Night Football yesterday, I go two and O, in which I really like some totals. I got. I was getting a little frustrated, though, I got to tell you. I had Diamondbacks and Milwaukee over the total of eight. They get seven runs. It's four to three in the top of the third. They leave 18 guys on base. And until Christian Walker's two-run single, two-run double in the uh, seventh, I think it was. No, eight. I'm, I'm not going to win. Like, how do you get seven runs in basically two-plus innings? And yet you don't score again. But I escape and I get that one right. I just thought Brandon fought. Come on, no way. Is he gonna? Is he gonna hit an under? So I took that one, got that right. Diamondbacks win six to three. And then I thought with the pitching of Texas and Tampa Bay, I thought seven and a half was way too high of a total. So I took the under there, and the Rangers won four to nothing. So I'm thrilled to death to get that. Here is something to my shock with Zach Gallon on the mound. 
in which the Arizona Diamondbacks are actually the underdog. You're getting a run and a half if you choose the D-backs. Now, the juice is way too terrible to run with, but I'm going to go with it. I'm taking our D-backs, and I'm taking them on the money line. I'm not even taking the run. Now, I'd like to take the run and a half. I would love to have the extra run, but that's not fair because I wouldn't really want to bet on juice that terrible. My juice is a little different. When you're only betting, like if you don't know what the juice is, here's for an example. Right now, it's the Diamondbacks plus one and a half, but it's minus 198. That means you have to spend $198 just to win 100. See, that? Like that's not very good. So basically, my $5 wins me $250. That's, that's not great, right? Some people say, why even bother with juice like that if, if you're going to end up – it's not worth the risk because are you really that sure the Brewers aren't going to win by two, three, four runs? So if you're going to do it, then bet on the Diamondbacks to actually win the game. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bet on the Diamondbacks to win the game. Oh, yes, I am. So I'll take D-backs on the money line because I have that much belief in in Zach Allen. And I'm not overwhelmingly impressed with Milwaukee's offense. They got beat. The D-backs got beat up by the lower portion of the line. I, it's Brandon Fott on the mound. This Brewers team is built on pitching, and they lost their second-best starting pitcher, and the bullpen got beat up pretty good, and now you're coming into this game with a tired bullpen. And Freddie Peralta, who's got a very good whip, but does not always do well once a runner is on base. It's weird. He doesn't allow a lot of people on base, but once they get on base, they usually score. So that's why I like the Diamondbacks today in, uh, in getting a win. And I, again, I like the pitching matchup to stay under. So I'm basically going to go with a very similar line. I'm going to take Texas at Tampa Bay, and I get an extra half run today, so I'm going to take them staying under the eight runs. And that's it. I don't like – I don't really like any of the uh, other ones. Um, you know what? I'll – I'll take the Phillies on the money line. The juice, the juice is 160. That's not too terrible. So I'll take the Phillies on the money line. You get great juice if you take the Phillies on the run line, by the way. Great juice if you believe in Aaron Nola. By the way, Phillies fans sold out all three games like that. So you have to race with their 19,000 people or whatever. And you got the Phillies with a sellout crowd before the the first pitch of game one has even been thrown. Oh, I'm so happy that football screwed up and said, you know what, we're just going to put the Bears and Commanders on Thursday Night Football, two of our worst teams. We'll put them on Thursday Night Football. We'll stay clear of the baseball playoffs. Yes, good job, football. When they easily could have stolen the thunder if they wanted to by putting a great game on. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass and the new Whirlwind Plus plan. Only $34 a month or $2.99 a year. This is my opinion. It's not fact, but I think it pays for itself in about two visits. That's it. I think it's worth it if you're even a casual golfer to jump on the opportunity. And if you go with the $2.99 route for the year, 
Man, I'm serious. It takes three visits. Are you telling me you're not going to want to play golf at a championship-style course three times during the entire next year to say, yeah, go for it. This is, honey, I'm saving money. You know, your wife comes home, I bought a dress, but it was on sale, so it was okay. All right, well, they're having a sale at Whirlwind. So I bought it because it was on sale. I got you. I got you. Best wings in town, Sivlik at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Best sandwich in the state, Nashville Hot Chicken Sandwich. Best breakfast burrito you'll ever have, Burrito Express, seven locations across the east side. Best air conditioning company when it comes to customer service, getting it right the first time, and selling the best product, Parker & Sons. 6022 repair. That's 602, the number two. Then R E P A I R for Parker and Sons. Heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. And the official sports bar of Doug Franz Unplugged. Rosati's on the east side in Chandler at Ray and McQueen. Unplugged Army, thank you. You've been with me through a lot, thick and thin. Some of you listen to those made-up podcasts in December of 2021 when I'm trying to figure out life and all I did was drink beer and talk and make fun of myself, and you were there. I appreciate it greatly. And now we keep growing into something new. We continue with four more hours of local sports programming. The main event, Steve McCollum, Dale Hellestray, coming up in two minutes. Then, Izzy on Sports. Isaiah Jackson leads you through with a completely fresh take on what happened yesterday and what's about to happen today. And you get all of us every weekday from 6 to noon. And we keep growing as I've got new ideas that we're going to be able to pull off. And maybe, maybe a big announcement coming. So stay tuned for that. This is Doug Franz Unplugged. I'll see you tomorrow. And you know the most important thing on everybody's mind today. Go D-backs.